Talk to us now and go to the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Exploring solutions to the mental health crisis. This is Mind Medicine on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the Mind Medicine program that we bring to you in association with Mind Medicine Australia. I'm Charles Kobes, Australasia's passion provocateur, and I'm in Melbourne, where it's 7 p.m. on Sunday night. It's 6 p.m. at the home of TNT Radio. It's 6 p.m. on Sunday night. It's midnight, Saturday night in L.A., so those of you who are listening and driving home, hope, you're having, hope you've had a great night on Saturday night. And in the U.K., it's Sunday morning, 8 a.m., so to those of you who are waking up to our dulcet tones here, Welcome. Well, we've got a very special guest today, Tanya De Jong, who is the co-founder of Mind Medicine Australia. And it was very appropriate because today is the second anniversary of this program. I did the first Mind Medicine program two years ago on the 15th of January 2022. And since my next program is not till next Sunday, Today is the perfect time for the second anniversary. So it's been wonderful to be with you, wonderful interviews and guests. And the wonderful thing about TNT Radio is that every guest that I've interviewed in two years is the podcast is available, the recordings are available, the 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 gold, the nuggets of information are still there. And I urge you, if you haven't heard Professor Ian Brighthope, who spoke with me on New Year's Eve, and then Keith Bullfin last week, an expert in anti-child trafficking, then there's a great opportunity to go back and listen to, to those recordings. The problem with the recordings at the moment is that they're only audio, whereas if you're live with me now, you can see me, and you can see my red jacket. And since I'm Australasia's passion provocateur, red being the colour of jacket, this is my brand. So... I'm I'm happy to stick in your mind as all about red and with my black T-shirt. It just happens to be the wonderful colours of TNT Radio together with my grey beard. Well, this show is all about how and why mind matters and how to keep it in great shape. Ideas to provoke new ways of thinking about your life and life generally. We explore insights into mental health issues and health issues of all descriptions. And to that end, my definition of health is based on the Hungarian word for health, which literally means wholeness. So that health is the unique optimal balance for you of mental, physical, and spiritual elements. We talk about passion. My promise to you is the more passionate you are, the less mental health problems you will have. And that's why for 30 years after I left my successful legal career, for 30 years I've been provoking people to pursue their passion because I know that when you are pursuing your passion, life changes. And if you don't know what your passion is, then I urge you to spend time to to deeply, you know, make a commitment to look into and discover your passion. And I, you know, I coach executives. I help people discover their passion. It is such a liberating way to live your life when you're living your passion. And Tanya De Jong, the co-founder of Mind Medicine Australia, who I'll be introducing to you shortly, 
She is a woman who has spent her life totally driven by passion for many causes, and we'll explore what those causes are. Now, before introducing Tanya, I want to cover a couple of items of crucial editorial stuff that's happening in the world of freedom, of truth, of justice. And you can hear this on TNT Radio and see it on TNT Radio because there's no political correctness on this wonderful broadcast opportunity. Now, Rainer Fulmick, German US lawyer, is currently in jail on civil on a, in a civil matter, in jail, being tortured in Germany. He's being tortured mentally. He's being tortured to some degree by the deprivation of his liberty. And I urge you, if you're interested in this wonderful man who has been fighting for our freedom over the last four years, then please get in touch with me. My email is charles at covest.com. Ryan Fulmick deserves our support, and the German government should hang its head in shame that it's torturing this attorney who does not deserve to be tortured. Last week, I moderated a meeting with Archbishop Carlo Vigano, who is who is a Catholic archbishop who is on the nose with the Vatican because he says the Vatican is corrupt. I agree with him. He shared a New Year's a New Year message with five powerful steps for us to take if we're interested in freedom and truth and justice and if we want to get rid of the scourge of pedophilia on our planet. There are millions of children each year who are abused by what I call the MEE, the minority evil elites. The evidence is overwhelming. Tim Tim Ballard, the subject of that wonderful movie Sound of Freedom, showed in that movie what is happening. Uh, I had a meeting with him last week. He's looking to get Sound of Freedom number two produced. His message to us of the perversion of pedophilia is profound, as is Keith Bulfin talked about it, as did Archbishop Carlo Vigano. So please have a look at my Rumble channel where you can see his 16-minute statements. It's a very powerful message. Now, the Australian Senate is looking to set up a Royal Commission, and there's been a lot of work done on the terms of reference of that Royal Commission, and the Royal Commission is into the Australian federal government and the state government's response to COVID. It's a very extensive terms of reference, and we have to hold government to account. Right around the world, for those of you who are interested, there's a lot of pressure being put on government. They deserve to have the pressure put on them. Governments acted unlawfully, and particularly here in my state of Victoria, Premier, former Premier Daniel Andrews is corrupt. He's, he perjured himself. He's a criminal in my view. He needs to have action taken against him. And all of the premiers, it's a salutary to note that every premier in Australia who was premier of the state when the lockdowns in this country started, they've all gone. And I ask you to think about why that might be so. Here's another salutary point to remember. If Daniel Andrews is convicted of committing a crime while in office, he will lose his retirement benefits. And he has caused such destruction and havoc in this state, he deserves to lose all of his retirement benefits. 
The Australian Open, the Australian Tennis Open starts today. A very exciting time in Melbourne for two weeks. Everyone goes crazy. It's almost like Christmas. So Tanya is a is a wonderful tennis player. We might have time to talk about that, but probably not. And this morning, I rode my bike in a group ride in in commemoration of the 100 days of the of the uh, Gaza of the Hamas invasion of Israel on the 7th of October. The the theme of the group ride, there were hundred, many hundreds of bike riders in Melbourne, was bring them home now. And this is all about the hostages that are being held by Hamas. And the deliberate, and the Archbishop's statement talks about this, the deliberate conflict caused by the elites, the, the minority evil elites between human beings, males and females. For those of you who have been in Israel, the way that that Palestinians and Jews get along in Israel, do business together is extraordinary. Hamas, funded by Iran, is a mega, mega challenge. Then goes into the Houthis in the Red Sea. I'm involved in international business that impacts on my business. And, you know, it, it's the, the disruption. The elites love causing this disruption so that we give away our freedom. Do not do that. So last couple of messages, the science is never settled, remember that, and I, and I have it on brilliant authority that no vaccines ever given to children or any of you ever have been properly tested for safety or efficacy, no vaccines ever. And you can take that, you can quote that, and any of you, no, in fact, I have world's best experts telling me that, and so I'm happy to share that with you. Spread the TNT news. And at all times, choose to be happy. You can be happy while we're dealing with these major issues. You can be happy. It's a choice. And, and these, these issues that we're dealing with, this is how we make the world a better place. TNT gives you opportunities, ways, insights to do that. Contact me by email, charles at coves.com. You can check out the Charles Coves Show on the Rumble channel. It's up to episode 183. And lots of other things to tell you, but I might get to that. But please, let me welcome to the show Tanya Diong, the co-founder of Mind Medicine Australia. And this show for two years, for regular viewers and listeners will know that I always say this show comes to you with, with uh, in association with Mind Medicine Australia because it's Tanya's fault that I'm doing this show. So welcome, show welcome Tanya to the second anniversary program. Thanks, Charles. Beautiful to be with you. <laughs> oh, what a lovely colour scheme. How well that goes, um, you know, as, as, as balancing off my red jacket. We've got the Australian colours here, red, white and blue, or blue, white and red. All those, it, looks, it looks spectacular. Now, let's. I want to go straight to Mind Medicine because this is the Mind Medicine program, and I want to congratulate you and your husband, co-founder, Peter Hunt, Five, almost a five-year journey to achieve what you have achieved in legalising two particular psychedelic drugs, MDMA and psilocybin. So give us a sense of how difficult this has been and where this has placed Australia as a nation in terms of psychedelic drugs. Yes, well, it's, it's actually we're coming up to our fifth anniversary of Mind Medicine Australia on February the 13th. Uh, next month so just just a few four weeks away and it has been a hard battle it's been a hard slog to achieve what we've achieved uh there's been many challenges and um many rewards as well i would have to say we've met some extraordinary people along the way 
And of course, tens of thousands of Australians have supported us with the rescheduling of these medicines through writing submissions to the Therapeutic Goods Administration, the TGA. And we are the first country in the world to reschedule psilocybin and MDMA, which is extraordinary. So now the whole rest of the world. Is- so this is the first in the world. Yes. <laughs> that I mean, how exciting, everybody. Like, like. You know, we're Australian leaders in many instances, but this is spectacular. Keep going. I think we should note that, that this is this is an extraordinary achievement. Yes. Well, on February the 3rd last year was when Peter and I received this news that, that the second of our rescheduling applications had, had been successful and that the medicines had been rescheduled from Schedule 9, which is prohibited substance, to Schedule 8, which is a controlled medicine. And they should be controlled medicines because it's a basic human right to have access to safe and effective medicines for any human being. And it was remarkable really to see Australia take the league in in this way. And and we have to be very thankful that the government did make this decision. And that became global headlines around the world. So there's been hundreds and hundreds of publications which have spoken about Australia being, you know, at the forefront of mental health care as a result of this. And we're now seeing countries like the US, the UK, Canada, and many other countries who are taking it now up to their governments and saying, well, look what Australia has done. We also have to do the same. Because due to Really, the fact that we're living in such times of great uncertainty and turbulence, enormous division between people, we're seeing even greater incidence of mental illness, depression, anxiety, addictions, post-traumatic stress disorder, eating disorders, obsessive-compulsive disorders, a whole range of other stresses and anxieties that are really affecting people and taking away their ability to lead meaningful lives, which is something that should be everyone's birthright. But Tanya, and- Tanya, how how did this how did this extraordinary work? You knew how difficult this was going to be. So five years ago I what, did what, <laughs> You didn't think it was going to be this difficult? No. No. <laughs> well, it no, because you could see the logic of what you were saying. So give us some insight into, you know, your compassion for understanding the mental health challenges that led you to start Mind Medicine Australia. What was it, you know, in your past? I mean, you've been, you're a serial social entrepreneur. I should have said that to everybody. You've got an, a, a member, you're a member of the Order of Australia. You've got an AM, which is a big deal. So so what, what led you to go, gosh, we need psychedelic drugs? Yes, well, I mean, in a nutshell, uh, this is, so my husband and I have founded six charities. So we've been working with disadvantaged people and trying to help those in need for, well, certainly in my case, for nearly 30 years. Um, And Peter's, yes, probably a similar amount of time as well. And so, as you know, I started my first charity in 1999, the Song Room and then Creativity Australia and the With One Voice program. And then The Umbrella Foundation um, started after Mind Medicine Australia. But effectively, you know, I'm a person who's deeply interested in hacking mind, body and spirit like you, Charles. And um, my parents and grandparents are Holocaust survivors. And as a result of that, 
I had always been aware that I was carrying some kind of trauma and most of us are carrying trauma. If it's not our own, it's usually ancestral trauma or a collective trauma that we're carrying. And of course, much of what happened in Australia during the pandemic, for example, and certainly in the state of Victoria has caused a lot of PTSD, a lot of post-traumatic stress disorder for people. And and sadly, a lot of more people um, are, are very unwell mentally uh, as well as physically. So that's a huge challenge. And I think because of my background and because I feel so grateful to be here, the world is still a beautiful place. And I feel an obligation I always have to give back. And, you know, I've been blessed with many talents and I'm in a position where I've always wanted to to help others. And so I've done that in so many different ways through mentoring, through all different kinds of entrepreneurial activities. As you know, we've been friends for a really long time. And so I'm, I guess I'm driven to... And then you, you you have helped enormous numbers of people. You know, I'd love to unpack it if we have time. We might go back and look at that. But then something you must have discovered somewhere that the that one of the crucial ways to help people mentally is through psychedelic drugs, as distinct from pharmaceutical drugs. Yes, well, that's right. So what actually happened was because I'm so interested in hacking mind, body, and spirit. I, you know, I tried mantra, tantra, psychotherapy, cryotherapy, hyperbaric oxygen therapy, meditation, yoga. You know, I've tried everything. And I also subscribe to Tim Ferriss's Five Bullet blog, which occurs on a Friday. And one particular Friday in, I think it was late 2015, he sent round a, a, a link, which was to a trial, which he was funding. I think he was donating $100,000 to... Imperial College in London to study psilocybin for depression. And I've always had a lot of people around me who've been suffering from depression because uh, I'm a performer as well and, and often creative people do, you know, have challenges with mental illness just because it's such a, it's an unstable career to begin with and mm. there's many other reasons for that as well. But I'd always been interested. So I clicked on the link and there was a an article which Ferris linked to called The Trip Treatment from the New Yorker magazine, which was a story in which they profiled patients who'd been through a trial at New York University taking just two doses of psilocybin with a short course of psychotherapy for their terminal cancer diagnosis. And so, of course, you can imagine as for any of us, if, if we have a terminal diagnosis, the enormous amount of stress and anxiety that causes. And after just two doses of psilocybin with a short course of psychotherapy, 80% of those patients went into complete remission from their depression or stress or anxiety associated with the diagnosis so they could then live their lives. And one of the particular patients that was profiled was, was a Jewish man who had experience intergenerational Holocaust trauma. And so as soon as I read that, it's like a light went off. I said to Peter, you've got to read this article. We've got to go and do this this medicine. He said, well, you know, can you get us into the trials in Europe and, and, and the UK and so on? And there were no trials going on at the time for healthy persons and we don't have 
a specific diagnosis of some specific mental illness. So eventually we were introduced to a guide in the Netherlands and psilocybin truffles are legal in the Netherlands and always have been. And so we were able to have a very large dose of psilocybin, which took us into a complete state of ego dissolution. So it was, I was no longer Tanya. I was just part of source energy of the oneness, the connection to self, to others, the planet, this most profound and divine and beautiful experience that was absolutely life-changing in every single way. I always say that I've never seen a leaf or a flower or a seashell, the sky, a tree, anything the same again. And mm. it's so profound what these medicines can do and what they do scientifically. Well, hang on. So hold that thought. What they do, we'll come back to that because I we have to go to a we have to go to a break. But that's such an amazing story. Because I'm a big fan of Tim Ferriss as well. It just shows you the value of listening. So I'm with Tanya De Jong, co-founder of Mind Medicine Australia, and we'll be back after these messages. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, well, that seems bad for the, you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. I, I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities. But for most people, I would say, Charlie, it feels normal, but it Normal. <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal. It's completely gone off kilter. Charlie Robinson on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. I wanted to alleviate my pain. I also didn't want to be who I was. I always just felt like there was just something wrong with me, and I was trying to figure it out, and I used the internet to help me do that. Seemingly out of nowhere, we've suddenly seen a huge spike in media depictions and social media depictions of transgenderism. It's even reached the mainstream advertising world. The people who are consuming this are children, 13, 14, 15 years old. And it's so easy for them to literally be groomed. I just woke up one day, looked at myself in the mirror, and asked myself, what the heck am I doing? When trans-identified kids are referred to specialized gender clinics, they're often told that they're going to get comprehensive, multidisciplinary mental health assessments. We know that that's not true. I was easy to manipulate. The ideology that has become dominant at these clinics is that trans kids know who they are, and therefore to question them is completely taboo. My childhood was ruined. Who's there for their detransitioning? Nobody. Nobody would help me because they had more concerns of me reversing everything. Did this thing to alleviate this gender dysphoria that wasn't there before, but you made it into a problem, and now your body image issues are worse. That's not supposed to happen. What do we do now? D-Trans, 
The Dangers of Gender-Affirming Care. For more information, go to PragerU.com. If you're still wearing a cloth or a surgical mask around in public, you're guilty of spreading COVID misinformation. It really is that simple. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Welcome back. Looking at those ads on transgender and the horrors of, of, of changing genders, it, it's just sickening. So it's appropriate. I love seeing those ads on this program because it's all to do with what we're teaching kids. I'm with Tanya De Jong, the co-founder of Mind Medicine Australia. And before the break, we we're talking about Tanya and her husband, Peter Hunt, going to Netherlands. Then you were going to talk about how psilocybin works with this remarkable, with these remarkable outcomes on our minds. So can you keep, can you unpack that a little bit for us? Yeah, and I'll also talk briefly about how MDMA-assisted therapy works as well. So yes, yes. psilocybin, psilocybin bypasses the default mode network of our brains, which keeps us defaulting, in a sense, to our childhood usually our childhood programs so programs i'm not good enough things won't work out for me things that happen in our early childhood that tend to keep us stuck in the past and and not able to grow fully as a human being into what our full potential is and so what happens with the ingestion of the psilocybin is you get this massive neurogenesis occurring this increased neural connectivity between the different hemispheres of the brain increasing neuroplasticity increasing creativity productivity, flexibility, allowing the patient to break out of these rigid and stuck thought patterns that are keeping them in the dark, in a sense, in the black hole of depression and, and the fear from anxiety, and giving them a chance to be agents for their own healing. And this is why many patients describe these treatments as one of the five most meaningful experiences in their lives. In fact, Many patients describe these treatments as the single most important experience in their life, and whoever says that about a medicine? Yeah, it's remarkable. So it is remarkable. It takes patients into a completely altered state, and then with a very skilled therapist, they can work through the insights that they've experienced in this medicinal session to then start to make the changes in their lives and their work and their relationships that are necessary for them to make healthier choices. In the case of MDMA-assisted therapy, we're talking again about pure MDMA. This is not ecstasy. It's GMP, pharmaceutical-grade MDMA, which increases empathy and curiosity and warmth and love and creates a therapeutic bond with a trained therapist. It also turns off the amygdala, the fight or flight, which in general, if a patient is asked to talk about their trauma, it can often re-trigger or re-traumatise them, which can be quite dangerous. In the case of MDMA, it it's, feels safe for a patient to talk about their trauma or traumas with their therapist. And from that place, they can accept it. doesn't mean you forget what has happened, but it means you can accept it and you can start to move forwards and remain in the present without continually bringing, bringing the past into the present, which is so unhealthy and which leads to this triggering effect that we see so commonly, particularly today in society, we're seeing enormous amount of people who are triggered by different types of triggers <laughs> and, mm. and most of that is created through trauma and it leaves people very vulnerable to this it's suggestion and, and there's probably many things that are happening globally at the moment that are really playing off the trauma that people have experienced certainly over the past few years but really Many people experience trauma throughout their whole lives and they're just not fully aware of it and, and they're carrying it with them. 
And so, we all- so, so the psilocybin is for depression and anxiety, and mm-hmm. the MDMA is for trauma, PTSD style. And addictions as well. So and addictions, yeah. So psilocybin is, tends to be used more for those sort of rigid stuff, thought loop, you know, like eating disorders, for example. It's also being studied now for early stage dementia and cognitive decline as well and Parkinson's, stroke. You know, it's really because you can imagine because you get this increased neural connectivity and yes. of course, the very definition of many of these illnesses is a lack of connection, a sense of separation and loneliness and isolation. So that when you give people psilocybin, they feel connected to themselves and others in the planet, which is an incredible gift to give people. Mm. It's an important opportunity for them. And it gives a window of opportunity to really start to get well. And that's why we're seeing these incredible remission rates, like the remission rates around the world are between 60 to 80% after two to three, two treatments of psilocybin, three treatments of MDMA with a short course of psychotherapy. Now you compare that against a maximum 30% remission rate for existing treatments for depression, like antidepressants or psychotherapy. And in the case of post-traumatic stress disorder, as few as five to 10% of patients going to remission from existing treatments. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So so people who have been on pharmaceutical drugs for years then suddenly try these alternative treatments and in two or three sessions, you know, three, four months yes. after years of suffering, you know, they get 60 or 80, 60 to 80 percent of cases have significant, well, as you say, remission. Remission. I mean, remission, they no longer qualify for that diagnosis. And so in the recent phase three trials um, in the US conducted by MAPS, the patients had an average 14 years post-traumatic stress disorder, and that could be a multitude of different things. It could be sexual abuse, it could be physical abuse, mental abuse, a whole range of different things. could be veterans and first responders and so on. And 67, 68% of them went into remission after just three medicinal doses and 88% of them had clinical, clinically, statistically significant reduction in symptoms. Wow. Yeah. Wow. And that's why this year MDMA will become prescribable in the USA as a, as a, as a medicine uh, as a result of those phase three trials. And and so and then Australia's legalisation. So how do first of all in Australia, how do people get access to these one these amazing resources? Well, it's still very tricky. So, you know, as we saw with medicinal cannabis, there tends to be a drip feed sort of effect. And so what at the moment is happening is that some psychiatrists in Australia are getting what is called authorised prescriber status which they have to get through ethics committees and then through a final approval from the TGA. And then they can start to treat patients. And I can tell you that in the next two weeks, at least one or two psychiatrists in Australia are going to start treating some patients, which is very exciting. And But it's not nearly enough. Obviously, there's millions of people in Australia who are suffering with mental illness. At last estimate, one in four... Around one in four Australians are suffering from a mental illness at the moment and one in seven are on antidepressants and one in four older adults over the age of 55 are on antidepressants. So it gives you an idea 
of the scale of the problem here. It's enormous. And so we all have to work together to make sure that we train enough therapists and that's one of the things we're doing at the moment. So the psychiatrists are the prescribers, but a multidisciplinary team of therapists supports the patient through these treatments. So it's not just a thing of taking some pills and everything's fixed. No, not at all. So there's there's preparation and screening to make sure the patient's suitable and, and they're ready and they set the right intentions. They understand, you know, as much as you can, what, what the treatments will be like. Then there's the actual treatment sessions and there's integration sessions, which are critical so that the patient can integrate what they've experienced in their lives and work and so on. And that takes very skillful therapy. And so we've so far trained over 300 psychiatrists, psychologists, GPs, physicians, uh, psychotherapists, counsellors, social workers, occupational therapists, nurses, and other practitioners to be able to manage patients in altered states and to really understand how to work with psychedelic-assisted therapies. And we have a world-leading faculty that is teaching that course, and this year we'll probably train at least another 200 therapists as well in Australia because we need to have therapists all around Australia so that people in regional and rural areas have equal access to these treatments and that they are actually accessible and affordable to everyone, not just wealthy people. So how 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 is all this wonderful work that you're doing, how is this affordable? Is, is this all happening out like magic with no need for money or do you need some help? We need help. So we're a charity and, and whilst Peter and I are philanthropists and social entrepreneurs, we have been very fortunate to have a lot of support over the last few years, but we do need more support because we've started a patient support fund because there's going to be many patients in Australia who can't afford the upfront costs of a treatment like this. So whilst, you know, these treatments will probably cost somewhere between twelve dollars to $20,000 per treatment for a patient, but when you look at the lifetime cost of, of medical treatments for a patient, you know, who's taking medications for their whole life, seeing therapists their whole life, and also suffering their whole lives, the actual cost of these treatments is not that much but it's a lot for anyone to be able to afford up front. So we do have a patient support fund set up and we encourage people to donate to that and support those who are less fortunate and who otherwise wouldn't be able to have access to these treatments. Of course, in time, we're having a lot of interest now from health insurance companies. And as we see these medicines becoming prescribable in the US, they will also become prescribable for, you know, PBS and other things in Australia over time as well. But at the moment, we're in an interim stage and we need to make sure that people who are suffering have the chance to get well because otherwise, if they don't have hope, they may go down the slippery slope and that would be dreadful. We've already seen just over this period that we've had Mind Medicine Australia over this last five years, we've seen a number of tragically people take their own lives because they just couldn't wait any longer. And it's heartbreaking when you're trying to help people and and, and that happens. And really mm. they tried every single treatment. Yes, it's it's I've never I've never had these mental health problems. So also I talk about the Mind Medicine program and I've been a motivational speaker. I've been dealing with psychology. I'm not a psychologist either, as you well know. And 
you know the it's 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 easy to say i'll just get just get over it but the trauma that people have have suffered is so so real and australia's so what you've achieved now in australia are is that helping other countries to speed up this process you know is, are they all going sorry are many countries now going look australia can do it and they're pretty conservative so if they if they're willing to do it then then we can do it Totally. I mean, we're seeing multiple examples of that all the time and uh, it's really exciting to see that happening and, you know, no one wants to be left behind. It's uh, an incredibly important field, health and mental health. And so every country that certainly that we're in discussion with and we're also starting to see more movement in Asia and Africa and other places like that as well now, uh, there was always interest in these places, but it's really accelerating rapidly now. Now, you talk about the, the savings of these pharmaceutical drugs yeah. um, by helping people get better. So whilst it might cost $20,000, the lifetime cost of drugs is extraordinary. And I saw a documentary. We saw the ad on, on gender transition nonsense for, for um, before we came back from the break. We're going to go to a break shortly. And I saw this doco that said the lifetime cost of drugs to someone who transitions gender, wait for it, is seven to eight million dollars US per person. So you get a kid at the age of 15, they're on drugs for the rest of their lives worth seven to eight million dollars. So how's that for a how's that for a revenue generating, uh, creating customers, you know, from pushing this gender transition model huge because there have been some insurers in the u.s that have done some calculations on the cost savings for example for veterans and and others who are suffering with post-traumatic stress disorder and whilst it's not millions like you just said for the trans sort of um costs you know conservatively you know they're looking at at least a hundred thousand us per patient that would be saved as a result of having these treatments and the wellness that will occur much more quickly for a patient so there are enormous cost savings through these treatments and of course the most important thing is that people actually can lead healthy and happy lives yes and the cost and the benefit for the for society is huge now tanya we're going to go to a break but i want you to think about that uh, tanya sang a song wrote some lyrics for it called uh danny boy to the tune of danny boy and it was about daniel andrews and it was about time to go and you can see that recording on the foam group website so that's f-o-a-m group dot online foam group dot online tanya's recording is there so tanya when we come back from the break i would really love people to hear your if your voice is okay to sing something, I'll give you, you've got time for the break, you know, give, me, give us the start of Danny Boy, if you can remember it. I don't think I'll do that, Charles, because one of the things about Zoom is that ah, yes, bad for singing. And um, I was recently doing a program with Graham Hood and John Larter, and we decided we had to dump the singing, <laughs> even though we tried different microphone settings and all sorts of things. And so we ended up using a recording. So if you want to link people to my website, which is Tanya Dejong, T-A-N-I-A-D-E-J-O-N-G.com, you can hear lots of recordings and a number of my albums are gifted freely to humanity as well recently, some beautiful 
meditation and music help. Oh, that's a great that's a great solution, Tanya. So TanyaDeong.com. It's D-E-J-O-N-G.com. So listen to Tanya's beautiful voice there, and you can retain her services at various conferences. But we'll go to this break and we'll be back. You're with me, Charles Coves, and Tanya DeYong on the Mind Medicine Program. We'll be back. From weather and traffic reports to news of political developments, we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives. Journalists around the world provide news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. Too many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks, and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Are you ready to help your family get prepared for the unexpected? Here we go! Ladybug and Cat Noir know how important it is to be ready. Because you never know when Hawk Moth is going to strike or a disaster will hit. And you don't need miraculous powers. Just put those planning skills you already have to good use. Make a plan that will help you and your family be ready when emergencies happen. Ready Kids can help. Get started at ready.gov kids. You're listening to Mind Medicine. Mind Medicine. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. I love that. Lighting the fuse for freedom, everybody. Without freedom, we are not human. My guest is Tanya DeYong this hour, and I refer you, I send you to her website, tanyadeyong.com, to listen to her beautiful voice, her beautiful soprano voice. She's been a, a singer for many years. And I discovered that the recordings now of these programs also include the video. So I'm very excited by that because it's just wonderful to be able to see people as we are talking. So, Tanya, you had some challenges. And I, I love your story of being told that you could never be a singer. And, you know, um, you overcame your trauma, but I think it's a salutary point of someone of your quality as a singer, how, you know, you were told and, and yet you overcame that. Can you share that story quickly with us? Yes. Well, I always wanted to sing. And when I was 14, we could start having singing lessons at school and my best friend started having lessons and Mum sort of said, you know, you're so busy, you know, because I was always doing a lot of stuff academically and I did a lot of sport as well. 
And as you mentioned, I, I played tennis. I ended up playing tennis in the US on a tennis scholarship and so on. So I was doing that and hockey and all these other things. So anyway, I didn't start singing lessons, but I went round to my girlfriend's house after school one day and we sang a song together. And she was playing, we were singing, she was teaching me the song. And then she said, I'll play the piano, you sing. And so she played, I sang. At the end of the song, she said, Tanya, you should never bother having singing lessons. You're not good enough. Of course, being a 14-year-old girl, I, I believed her as we, you know, we we often believe these sorts of things that we're told, especially in those formative years. And so I did backstage in the school musical. And then finally in year 11, I auditioned for the chorus of Oklahoma. And to my amazement, I got the lead role. And it was a really important moment because it's really a reminder that you should never let anyone snatch your dreams away. And I talk a lot in my TED Talk, how singing together changes the brain. I talk a lot about the incredible neuroscientific benefits of singing, particularly with others, which makes you smarter, healthier, happier, more creative, improves your memory, language and concentration, improves your breathing, increases the neural plasticity of your brain. So singing and psychedelics, both very good for you. And they do have a relationship to one another, both very good medicines. <laughs> so so that then led to you creating the, the you, we jumped over that charity of With One Voice. So yeah. you've just raised the whole range of benefits of singing. So, so dear listeners and viewers, I'd love to sing for you, but anyway, I won't because of, uh, uh, because of the technology problem. But tell us about With One Voice and how you put that insight into deep practice at impacting on thousands of people. And the song room as well. So the song room was my first one, which really brought singing and music and arts into into primary and secondary schools and has reached millions of children around Australia since 1999. And then in 2008, I founded Creativity Australia and the With One Voice program. And we have 30 With One Voice choirs around Australia that bring together haves and have nots. So doctors, lawyers, teachers, retirees with migrants, job seekers, people with depression and disabilities of all faiths, backgrounds, religions, age 9 to 90, who come together in weekly choirs where they experience the neuroscientific benefits of singing and they also have a wish list program where they can make wishes to one another, whatever they may need in life, whether it's help with a resume, finding a job, a partner, might be that someone fortunate needs their lawn mowed or you know, all sorts of amazing things. I call it a weekly miracle happen as a result of these choirs. And they also perform regularly in their local communities. So if you're interested in singing or you've always had this secret wish that you'd love to sing, but someone silenced you when you were younger, like what happened to me, then join a With One Voice program, creativityaustralia.org.au. You can see where all our choirs are. And so right, right, around, right around Australia? Yes, yeah. All so creativityaustralia.org.au. And so that's another charity um, which I set up. And we just celebrated our 15th anniversary a couple of months ago. And we're so proud of, of what's been achieved. And we've saved, we've saved a lot of lives through that weekly meeting because many people are very lonely and isolated. And this is like becomes their families for many of them and gives them confidence and skills, a whole range of things way beyond singing that people get the benefit of, as well as reduced anxiety and depression and new skills, all sorts of new skills uh, that they get as a result of coming to these very joyful and welcoming 
choir program. Oh, so, that's, that's Tanya. That that's a that's a beautiful story, and and it's a salutary reminder. You know, there's so much material, and in, in the work that I do as a passion provocateur, I know that that someone is told something as you were at 14, and bang! What's amazing is that it didn't stop you auditioning for the role of Oklahoma three years later, from 14 to to year 11, which then leads to Driftwood the Musical. So tell people what you've done with Driftwood the Musical. Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, my my mum and grandparents um, and my father on, on his side too were Holocaust survivors, so I'm very lucky to be here. And my mum wrote a book called Driftwood Escape and Survival Through Art, which was launched in 2017 by Scholarly Books, which tells the extraordinary story of my grandmother who invented the foldable umbrella in Vienna in 1929. And had an incredible life, married my grandfather, a very acclaimed sculptor, and then Hitler came into Vienna in 1938, about a month after my mother was born. And miraculously, my grandmother Slava worked out a way for them to escape, otherwise I wouldn't be here because most of the rest of our family were killed during the Holocaust. And they miraculously escaped Switzerland where my father, grandfather was playing a, a tennis tournament. He was a professional sculptor and professional tennis player at the time. And then they they fled to Singapore and they were then deported from Singapore right before Singapore fell, interned as enemy aliens in Tatura in northern Victoria near Shepparton and finally came back into the community when my grandfather joined the Australian Army and they started to rebuild their lives. But, of course, they'd lost pretty much everyone in their family. But an extraordinary story also of, of the saving of this incredible art and sculpture and furniture uh, collection, which is now at the Duldig Studio, D-U-L-D-I-G, studio in Malvern East, and people can go and see the original prototypes of the foldable umbrella, the working notes, the incredible collection of my grandparents' sculpture, art, furniture, and and lots more at the Dordic studio. And this story was so profound when I read the book that I immediately thought, wow, this should be like a film or it should be a musical. And so because I'm a musician, of course, we worked hard to turn it into a musical commissioned composer, playwright, um, went through a lot of creative development. And over the last two years, we've had sellout seasons in Melbourne and Sydney of Driftwood the Musical and not a dry eye in the house, standing ovations every night. And we also have interest now in New York, uh, in Driftwood the Musical. But, of course, due to the the conflict in, in Israel-Palestine that's taking place at the moment, it's um, it's very tricky at the moment to move that project at, at the moment um, in the circumstances. And we don't want it to be a political statement either. You know, this is a really important story. And... We all need to learn from the lessons of history and we mm. must not be silent when we see any type of oppression against any minority group, whether it's Jewish people or any other minority group. So this is an important story and people can go to driftwoodthemusical.com.au and see Thank more you. about it and highlight videos and things like that. Driftwoodthemusical.com.au, everybody. Check that out. Now, we've only got... Three minutes, Tanya. You quickly, you know, you, what an extraordinary life you've led. You you look like you're about 22 years of age, but you told us that you set up your first charity 30 years ago, so you look like, like a child. Um, 
And and so my question that I want you to share is just come back to some of the modalities that you have found. You mentioned hyperbaric. I've I've interviewed Mel Hooper in one of our earlier programs. So but you do a whole bunch of stuff that you know you are constantly committed to keeping your health. So can you just you know what what really excites you about what you're doing now with because your thinking keeps developing so you find a new something and you do it what what excites you at the moment in terms of maintaining and promoting your best health look i think it's you know as you know charles it's it's something you just have to commit to every single day and so i have to say that i find fasting um a very good hack I hate fasting. Oh, no. <laughs> I love food. I know. I love food too. But uh, I do intermittent fasting every day. And next week I'm going to do probably a four or five-day fast. I have done up to a seven-day water fast. Um, and it's surprising. Like the first couple of days are hard, but then it really starts to you start to feel incredibly light and, and you do feel a lot better. It's fantastic for inflammation and so on. Um. I do like a lot of the the energy machines that are around now. There's a lot of fantastic new energy machines. And and also there's some really interesting laser technology, you know, with infrared and red light therapies and a whole lot of therapies like that as well that I think are very interesting. I think that intravenous, the use of intravenous therapies are also very important. Intravenous vitamin C particularly? Yeah, CB, glutathione. Mm-hmm. Um, some people also use curcumin. And I find these sorts of therapies extremely good. Obviously, exercise is critical, as you know, And but just eating the right foods um, at the right times. And I do use quite a lot of supplements as well, but the right supplements, high-quality supplements. Yes, and it's quite – you have to do a fair bit of research. So, you, so you're coming back to this, hey, make a commitment. Come and watch this show every week. Go to other experts. There's so much information available. There's no black and white answers, is there? Because each one of us has a unique body. Well, absolutely. And then, of course, yoga and meditation. I mean, you can't really go past those either. There you are. Yoga, meditation, supplements, and hyperbaric, everybody. So, Tanya de Jong, what a great contribution you have made. Hug your loved ones. And Which walk one? Walk in nature. Walk in nature. Walk, walk in nature. And walk in bare feet. So connect. Yes, grounding. Grounding. Now, that is important. I've spent a lot of time this year grounding because it's a very unstable world. We're all floating around like rudderless little lifeboats. It's very important to ground. Here, here. Well, Tanya, thank you so much for being with us. Congratulations on what you and your husband, Peter Hunt, who also is an AM, a member of the Order of Australia, have achieved with Mind Medicine Australia. It's a it's a wonderful achievement. Please consider financial support to Mind Medicine. The website is mindmedicineaustralia.org.au. Tanya and Peter can't do it alone. And Tanya's website, so you can listen to her music and there's free downloads, is tanyadeong.com. Just tanyadeong.com. Drift with the musical is driftwiththemusical.com.au and then for with one voice to join a choir, creativityaustralia.org.au. And of course you can listen to and watch this recording tomorrow if you didn't get those names. And then um, the foam group, I also mentioned that. So everybody, 
Have a wonderful, wonderful weekend for those of you in the UK. Thank you for joining us. Visit my website, charlescoves.com, and we look forward to being back with you next week. It's a wonderful world. There's lots of crap going on in it, but there's some wonderful things going on with it. So focus on what's wonderful, choose to be happy, and we'll be back with you next week. Bye for now.